Welcome to the Curvebeam AI Cast, bringing you the future of orthopedics and bone health. Hello, it's Lou Schoen doing an episode of Curvebeam AI Cast. And today, perhaps most spectacularly, we have in our studio Francois Linst, one of the more influential people in this technology. Uh, and uh, my idol when it comes to weight-bearing uh, CT. Uh, Francois, thank you for coming today. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, pleasure. Uh, so let's, uh, let's start from the very beginning. After birth, what happened? Well, I was a toddler for a few years. Yes, let's go uh, into the, the definition of the toddler part, because it okay. was a few years. So most people don't have... Well, toddler for a few years. I would say like toddler is between non-weight-bearing and weight-bearing. It's like when you're searching for it, but you, you can't really, you know, understand that's, that's where you're going anyway. I would say this is pretty much relating to the position of where everyone is now related to, to weight-bearing CT. We're on the verge of tipping into weight-bearing. So we are all maybe weight-bearing CT toddlers. Right. So from going to a kind of a morphic blob of flesh... You then became like a bipedal, unsteady individual in this yeah. field of weight-bearing CT. Yeah, yeah, And exactly. you think, and, and, and that's, the, what happened when you first started toddling about in this space? Well, I would say for me, the realization came from my mentor, Ian Winson. I was a fellow with him in Bristol, UK, uh, for a year. And uh, he, has the, he had this vision that we didn't know how to measure hind foot alignment properly. Uh, so uh, we we had this task that we had to build a whole project when we were there, amongst other things. And uh, he said, you know, uh, Francois, uh, you know, align, just yeah, fight something. So he, yeah, so I'm, and it took me a few months to realize what he wanted. What he wanted was for us to start working on what does hind foot alignment look like in 3D. But for that, we needed to have weight bearing 3D, which didn't exist. So anyway, we made a kind of... Uh, uh, protocol so that we made sure that you had we had 90 degree angled uh, x-rays uh, and from that we did a sort of mock-up 3d environment just like eos is you know the, the full uh, full body uh, um, 3d morphing device uh, that the spine surgeons use a lot so we did the same thing for the foot and we came up well that's from that's that's where the the talus system and the foot and ankle offset came from and, and explain to our listeners uh, in brief, what, what is that system? And what, what, what was the toddler epiphany that then led to the next step? What was the Taylor system? So um, the epiphany came from, uh, I would say, two major publications. Uh, and I like this saying from Newton that uh, you only build further by standing on the shoulder of giants. So I always, to, I always like to cite uh, Professor Salzman and the Salzman calcaneal offset. So that got me thinking to saying, okay, we're not looking at an angle, we're looking at an offset between where the uh, force of the body weight pushing on the titus is coming down and where the ground reaction force from the ground is pushing up. And that's the offset that creates the torque that uh, creates pathologies in our foot and ankle systems. Uh, and the, um, the second paper was uh, the, um, uh, the tripod in index by uh, Physical. Uh, and that was an inspiration because 
I knew that uh, the high foot alignment is contained within the foot and ankle. It's not contained within whatever is above. Uh, and so we couldn't use the tibia and the fibula and the knee and the hip as a reference point. So what else could we use as a reference point? And he gave us the answer. We can use the forefoot. So merging the offset with the forefoot, then came the idea of using the tripod. So that's M1, M5, and calcaneus weight-bearing contact points and the center of the ankle joint to create, uh, instead of having three points and an angle in a single plane, that's 2D measurement, then to create four points that describes a volume, and then we have a 3D measurement. So we call it 3D biometric. That's how the whole thing was born. Right, so, so that got you out of your toddler stage. I would say that got me uh, on, on the picture, on the map, yeah. Yeah, and, and so as now you started to maybe walk quickly and maybe run and climb, Yeah. explain, explain that path. Well, you can say a lot of things like the train only comes once and you have to take it, you know, have to take the opportunity. So I took the opportunities that, that, that were uh, in front of me. But I would say weight brain CT, or as I like to call it, 3D X-ray, is the next step after 2D X-ray. Everything from satellite navigation to uh, photography to cinema, everything is going 3D. There's even 3D shavers. You've, you've seen them. I think it's Gillette or someone. They make them because it's got you know three things shaving at the same time. And so your, your beard is like more... Uh, flexible and everything. So, it, you know, on every front, everything is going through. There's no way we're going back to, to the x-ray and then wait for a couple of months or a couple of weeks, maybe, or a couple of days, depending on where you are, but to get the CT. And the CT is not even weight-bearing. How can we think that we're going down this road? Or how can we think we're not going into the path of CBCT or 3D x-ray or whatever you call it? So I would say I didn't do much. I was just carried... Uh, by the events that were happening in the universe. One of these events uh, was uh, uh, you guys over in the U.S. starting to get organized around this and Caesar, who was your uh, fellow at the time, uh, doing publications on weight-bearing CT uh, as you know, uh, uh, one of the first uh, publishers on that subject. Uh, we were sort of hired by Martinus Richter, uh, Professor Richter, uh, who, uh, with whom we were able to uh, co-found the, the Weight Bearing Society. And you were there in 2016, uh, the first uh, meeting we had. Uh, and then everything just um, unveiled, you know. Right. So at that point, you know, you were acutely aware that we, were, we had entered another dimension, literally. Yeah, exactly. That's and, and you happened to be at the forefront of it. It just, it, 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 it came to you and then you, you, you yeah. went with it well, and saw perhaps all the things that needed to be done and, and you weren't shy to, to take on those challenges. Exactly. I would say there's one thing I think I did. It's like uh, throughout my, my uh, career, I haven't been a straightforward thinker. I have been, you know, a parallel or transverse thinker. Uh, I like to think out the box. So I didn't know, I don't know if I had this reputation, but every time I had, you know, different mentors, they would give me, uh, you know, the weird subjects. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, when I was with Ian Winston, I, I was very, very grateful to have this project that literally changed my life. And I hope contributes now to changing lives of patients. 
but I had a co-registrar fellow, and, and he had a paper to do. It was uh, it was a review of uh, you know Arthur Deasy's versus total anchor replacements. Th like th that was the cool subject, you know. And I got some other weird subject, but the thing is that I always wanted to hang on stuff and turning it into something useful. Uh, and not only in, in my professional career. So I think that, you know, just uh, hanging on, you know, with your teeth and claws at the beginning, because you know this is going somewhere. I think that's the important thing that I did. Uh, but it's true that then, you know, the opportunities just uh, kept on coming because uh, this thing is just going places. Right. I mean, useful is a very big issue, I think, um, initially, Everybody looks at it and says, well, it's not something I need. I just look at the patient. I just talk to the patient. I just get some x-rays. I don't need your handicapped stuff. I don't need what all these devices to figure out what to do. I'm actually a brilliant clinician. So why do I need what, you, what, what you're talking about, which is expensive and time-consuming and even hard to quantify? I think that was the the challenge early on that we all faced when I was approached by the Hopkins group to get involved in weight-bearing CAT scan. I, I thought it was fascinating, but you know what? it wasn't something that people were thinking of going into. So it had to become something that people became aware of as being useful. And, and how, did, how does that play out so from a high science point of view, uh, you like to think also of how the user is going to do, the, do these studies and, and what, what it is to them. So what, what goes on in your mind uh, to make people go from their sense that they have all the information they need to giving them the realization that there's a lot more information out there that they could easily have and make easy sense of it? Well, there's a number of ways you can answer that. Um, one of the easy ways is that people don't realize it until they use it. Uh, but before they use it, they have to get it. And it is a little bit more expensive than standard x-rays. But the advantages are so huge and immediate that, that for me, it takes between three weeks and three months to do the learning curves and to completely you know, become addicted and not want to come back. It's just like satellite navigations, you know. I was there in 2006, five, seven, when satellite navigation came out, and we're all like, oh, come on, I can, you know, you're saying, okay, I'm a great clinician, I can, you know, I'm a good driver, I know my way around, I, I'm a man, I can read a roadmap, you know, I don't need this stuff. And then it's so practical that you just, you just use it, you don't even think, do you still use roadmaps today? No, 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 I don't. Right. I don't know anyone who does. Uh, so uh, there's that's one way to put it. Another way is, um, uh, you know, Steve Jobs said, people don't know what they need until you give it to them. That's kind of true. You know, uh, at some time we used to have carts and horses. And people didn't know they needed cars until they were invented and given to them. And then even at this point, you know, they thought they were maybe... Um, cumbersome and you need to have a driver's license and it's uh, noisy and it's smelly but they, they dangerous. didn't know what yeah, dangerous, dangerous and they didn't know what it what it would you know become so but you you're absolutely right and i think this is this is something 
uh, I tell uh, industrials about. I think that it was great at the beginning to talk to foot and ankle surgeons because the, they were the key opinion leaders for which having 3D and weight bearing was very appealing. We have a structure with 34 joints, uh, you know, on 2D x-rays, they're, they're all piled up. We don't understand what we see, so we do need a CT, but then it's not weight bearing, so we don't have our measurements. Uh, and so it, it's kind of, for us as hyper-specialists, we are already drawn to research, to high-end, to technology. As orthopedics, we, not, we like, you know, technology, uh, iPhones, everything. You know, have you got the latest one? I haven't no, yet. I, not yet. Uh, okay. I won't let it get it yet. So um, anyway, we, we are drawn to this kind of high-end technology. Uh, so we were the right people to talk to. Um, and that's where I think Curvebeam got it right. Um, and I, that's where I think they got it right by doing the, the device with a large field of view and bilateral stance. Um, but I think that's, that was only kind of good for some time to get us on the map. But now we definitely are. I think it's somehow playing against us because the tool appears like something that is very high end. And it's absolutely not that. So please, people, listeners, just understand this, this was just to get on the map. But now it's immediately beneficial to any patient. So if I want to answer in a very practical way uh, to, your, uh, to, to your question and talk to our listeners, I would say the machine doesn't cost anything because now you could get them on leasing plans. So you don't have to put the money up front. And you have to understand it's 3D radiography. It's not weight-bearing CT. We have to get the expensive, high-tech side of CT out of the picture and focus on what it brings the patient. So it's 3D x-ray, and you have to put it inside your workflow. It doesn't work without a proper workflow. And the proper workflow is that you need to communicate with people who refer patients to you, and they need to send the patient. And each patient has to have it, and you have to bill for x-rays. And you have to be honest with yourself and say, this is a bunion case. I would have built for an x-ray, not a CT. I will build for an x-ray. And then for this complex high foot case, I will build for a CT because this is what I would have done before. So that's the proper way to do it. But uh, people can now realize, and, and we're hearing, hearing this all over the place. Like there's, I was talking about my neighbor. It's not my neighbor. It's my partner. It's the partner in the next office, in the next city, in the next region, in France, in other European countries, in the US. Everyone's saying, okay, I, I understand, I need it, you know, how, how do I get it? And before it used to be, well, do you have 200K, do you have 300K? Uh, I don't, I'm going to ask the radiologist, but the radiologist has his own, you know, reasons for hesitation. So we can talk about that, but it's not the main subject here. So th the thing is that it needs to be in office, close to the patient workflow, and it needs to be built for x-rays, and then it needs to be built for CTs depend on what we would have done before. But the great thing is that we have the diagnosis, we have all the measurements, and we have cherry on the cake, all the cool stuff on top of that. And if we love research, we can do research, but we don't need to do it. It's immediately beneficial uh, to the patient. I hope that answered the question. Yeah, so I think, um, I think that, that once we've become aware of the extra value of weight-bearing CAT scan, I think integrating it into workflow with the more basic features of it is necessary. Yeah. Getting everybody goes in, gets their x-rays. Yeah, exactly. Weight-bearing x-rays. And, and then uh, as needed, you could use that 
information for a CAT scan or you recognize in advance, I need to get this as a weight-bearing x-ray series and the weight-bearing CAT scan. And as such, we may have to bill for that higher level of service. Yeah, yeah. But the first flow should be, we need to get your x-rays. And the second flow really is, this is a case that requires the weight-bearing CAT scan for higher visualization issues. That is actually a secondary thing. Exactly. That's... That's the thing, that's the mistake that we made. It's not a mistake because it got us on the map, but it's kind of the bias we had as researchers and, and um, to, to focus on the high-end stuff. And we sort of bypass the immediate advantages, which I think everyone is realizing now that we have uh, for the patients. If you, if you think about it, even technologically, it's very, very much closer to an X-ray than to a CT because the CT is a fan beam that chops, you know, and slices uh, the, the body, uh, whereas this is an x-ray setup that turns. So it's like it's doing the AP and the lateral and stacking it all together and giving you, you know, the x-rays plus the, 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 the CT as, as, a, as a bonus. And if you look even on the computer side of thing, uh, what you get is not a series of slices, uh, is you get one raw file, okay, that then the computer chops in slices just so we, so we can look at it. But what it is, is a, is a, is a digital twin of the patient's foot. Uh, another way to put it is like, it's a miniaturized X-ray room. Like if you, if, you, if you think of 2D X-ray and CT, you need two different rooms with a lot of protection because there's a lot of radiation uh, and you need a number of devices that you're going to move around the patient. You know, you're going to have to ask the patient to sit and to stand and, uh, and everything. Uh, and now it's all like in a small device that is as big as this couch and the patient just stands on it and it's the device that does all, all the job around it. Uh, and, and I repeat, it doesn't cost a thing. You actually make money the day you start using it um, because it's, it's very money efficient. It also, if you, I mean, this is not, of course, our core uh, passion and our, our core uh, sort of uh, mission on earth as doctors to earn money, but you also need it for, for, uh, for you know, to pay your staff and everything uh, and to give the patient the best technology. But uh, it, does, it does work. I mean, we need to say people, people sort of sometimes apprehend that, uh, you know, it's, it's expensive. No, it's not. Depends what you do with it. It's, if you put it in your garage and don't use it, of course it is expensive. But if you use it, then uh, it, it's, it's better for your workflow. Uh, if, if, you, if you have like a patient that has a complex high foot condition uh, and you have to wait for the CT, you sort of push back that patient a number of weeks or months because you cannot schedule him for the surgery in, 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 during this time. Whereas if you have the answer now, you can schedule the surgery now and that, that increases your cash flow related to this uh, intervention, intervention. And that's only your side of things because the patient also spends less time off work, less time in doubt of what's happening to him. And the literature is there to show that this, like, uh, is anything in the literature between 10 to 45% of our patients come in with the wrong diagnosis and diagnosis is only uh, straightened out because we have CT scans. But with this 3D x-ray device, you can have the right diagnosis right there on the spot. Now, in terms of, um, yeah, going back to my analogy, fascinating, back to my analogy, 
you know, we, we were in the toddler stage. Now we're running and jumping. But what you're saying is we should be doing this just, just as a matter, a course of flow of, of patient care. Not necessarily to get the CAT scan information, but we have the potential to get the CAT scan information. But now we have a bunch of kids running around and jumping all over the place. Some of them are going to be getting the beautiful weight-bearing x-rays. Some mm-hmm. of them are going to be getting the CAT scan. But what this does is it takes a whole diverse group of, of, of providers and exposes them to uh, a lot of information. And what happens then is, is kind of the next order of magnitude mm-hmm. um, because kids play games together, right? They, they start to you know, run and play tag. They're climbing, jumping, hitting things. Uh, that's what you do. And I think that's where we really are now is that people are seeing that this is, this is where we are and they realize that they can converse and interact in this space with each other, with patients, and make more efficiencies and better outcomes. So I see what you mean. I think the analogy, we can use the analogy again. Like, um, So you, you're a toddler and you're, you're sort of, uh, you're this big lump of flesh at the beginning. So it's exciting that now you're a toddler and you, you, you can foresee you're going to be able to run and play soccer, for example, or tennis. But it's also a bit scary, you know, because there's uh, tennis balls flying around and everything and you have to run, you have to know the rules, so it's scary. So the cool thing is you don't have to play tennis straight away. You can go back and sit and just uh, read a book like you used to do when you were a toddler. Um, so it's the same thing with, uh, with uh, Combeam CT. You don't have to use the high-end tool. You can still have the x-rays, they're called digitally reconstructed radiographs, that you can still play with your old tools on until you do that learning curve and you t- until you feel comfortable enough to use the high-end stuff. For me, this learning curve was between three weeks and three months. Uh, I, I, for, for the first few weeks, I looked at the DRRs, I did my measurements on the DRRs, and then, I don't know, my brain just opened up, I saw the whole picture, and I stopped using them completely. I don't ever use them, except if I have to write a report, you know, to give a precise measurement or something. But I, it's true that I, I, I don't use them anymore. Uh, so I think this analogy is uh, great and allows me to comment on one other thing. It's like, you know, going back to this uh, transition from being a toddler to uh, being a full-blown adult or something. Uh, one of the things that happen on an international level is this, uh, uh, this uh, International Weight Bank City Society that was created by Professor Richter um, has, has blown into a, 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 a real scientific society. And uh, we have now, we're closing up on 150 members worldwide, and uh, the number of people who follow us is way more than that. Um, and part of this society is actually dedicated to writing the books for people who are new to the technology on how to use the high-end tools and how to create the high-end tools and how to help the industrials to create high-end tools on which everybody agree and uh, who are, uh, which are scientifically, uh, scientifically validated. So this, this is called the, the, the Standards Committee. And the Standards Committee went into a sort of joint venture with a number of scientific uh, societies. So there's Okta Research, so that's, that's uh, osteoarthritis and cartilage um, uh, in CT, uh, with the uh, Orthopedic Research Society, 
the uh, European Orthopedic Research Society. Uh, I think I'm forgetting people. There's also people of the, from the uh, International Society of Biomechanics, International Foot and Ankle Biomechanics. So, uh, well, the, the most advanced researchers worldwide are, have teamed up to create an endeavor uh, whose goal it is to create standards on how to use the images creating from weight-bearing CT uh, and create validated uh, international measurements from which software providers can provide new tools for visualization, uh, applications like uh, uh, customized uh, jigs for surgery. Uh, and uh, this is even, I think, the, the, the same framework that will be built for robotic surgery whenever it comes uh, into our uh, joints. Right, so now, now we're in the adulthood stage yeah. and we're having standards. This is the how we socially engage. This is yeah. how we play tennis. This yeah. is how we, exactly. we perform these tasks. But you could just be there and, and enjoy being an yeah, adult. Yeah, you could look at all this, just sit down and do but, your usual stuff. But as, an, as the president, you, you're, you're going to be passing the baton to Cesar. Yeah. yeah. But as the president of the society, uh, you've fulfilled many goals. Um, and uh, how would you summarize your, your end of this adulthood period for you? Uh, it's not really the end, but you're, you're passing it off to another adult. Yeah. Cesar, what would you say you uh, uh, accomplished uh, and what do you think the charges for the future for the Weight-Bearing CAT Scan Society? Well, I, without going too much into the specifics, uh, because we did a number of uh, webinars, we uh, are working on a second edition of the book of the Weight-Bearing City Society, and this is not only a, a picture, we're actually working on a real book, uh, but... Uh, um, I would say uh, what we accomplished is to bring out the word that uh, we're very happy to be out there and to be European leaders and, and to work on some great research projects, but to get the word out there that this is a technology for everybody uh, and that it comes in place of X-rays and CT, not just CT, because, you know, we really entered this uh, um, stream of research and, and I think this revolution uh, through the window of what does weight-bearing add to CT? So the first thing that got worked on was like PCFD and the subfibular impingement. I always talk about this subfibular impingement because I love it. It's a great sign. It's very useful. But the thing is it got into the way of people seeing that before being a great tool to see subfibular impingement, weight-bearing CT is in fact cone beam CT, and it's a 3D X-ray. And it got into the way so badly that it took a few years for people to realize that and to say, oh, I can, I can actually get in, in my office and it doesn't cost me anything and I can use it on all my patients. Of course, yeah, so that's, I would say if I could leave with this testimony that it's a tool for everyone and it's going to be present in all our workflows, in all our practices and take over X-ray, then uh, I think that's great. And uh, part of this was uh, by also uh, through uh, reinforcing our links uh, and our work with radiologists. And there are now uh, actively engaged in the standards committee, for example. Uh, and our next webinar of the Weight Brain City Society is planned to be with the radiologists. So, uh, there are many, but we can uh, cite uh, Philip Hansen uh, and we can cite uh, Tom Termose, 
uh, and um, they recently published a paper in skeletal radiology, uh, which is also a testimony to the value of weight bearing CT and also an appeal to uh, work on collaboration through, uh, through the different dif disciplines, uh, particularly orthopedic surgery and uh, radiology, and to work together on uh, standards, uh, which of course we can't do without also the help of engineers and computer scientists. So, so that's what this endeavor is, uh, and, and uh, we really pushed it forward uh, since the, the last uh, two years. So, um, so that would be my testimony, uh, working more closely with uh, radiologists and making this technology mainstream. Uh, I think for the future, we also have to uh, work to include in our society uh, our colleagues from the other joints. Of course, like there's the high rise from curving that can uh, reach to the knee and the and bilateral hips, but there are also uh, others. And um, we, we also um, uh, are looking to have the, the future, I think they, they let out, uh, uh, I mean, it's well known now that they're working on the, the Skyrise device that uh, reaches basically up to the head. Uh, so uh, the spine surgeons, I have friends that are so shoulder surgeons, and they say, of course, weight bearing for shoulders. And you think, are you crazy? But no, you know, when you have a CT for a shoulder, you're like lying down at the table and it's completely changing the position of your scapular relative to the humerus and everything. So they want you know, cone beam CT to be able to investigate shoulders in the natural standing position too. So, uh, and so we started that because we, we have a, um, a dialogue going on with some um, people in Iowa um, working on upper limbs. Uh, and uh, so we want to work with them. So radiologists, upper limb surgeons, knee surgeons, hip surgeons, and soon spine surgeons. I think this is going to be um, the challenge that Cesar is going to, to face uh, and also dealing with an, an explosion of the number of, uh, of our members, hopefully. Very good. And uh, what words of uh, advice would you give to your, your future uh, board members or leadership of your weight-bearing CT? What, what, what's, what's your words of encouragement? Well, I would say first that I'm not going to be far because uh, in our society as a past president, you stay in a board for two years and, and you still have your word. And, uh, and so, so this will be an ongoing work. Uh, but of course, I would say that they are in great hands because with uh, Cesar, the Cesar Neto taking over the presidency, I mean, he's a huge guy. He's a personal friend and I love him. And um, uh, he, he, I think they, they, they need to hang on because, you know, it's going to shake and roll with Cesar. And in the uh, expansion beyond the focus in foot and ankle, I think, is, is, is going to be a pretty uh, major change. Yeah, I, th I don't think we should talk about a change, but maybe, uh, yeah, evolution. an expansion, yeah, an yeah. evolution. Because I think uh, the foot and ankle, and this was a, a wish of Professor Richter, uh, that the foot and ankle people stay in charge, you know. And I would add to that, at least until we got the technology to where we want it to be, which is like everywhere, and, and, and the new tools and the high-end stuff being used uh, uh, on a daily basis. So that, that's kind of the end, end goal. So this expansion is definitely a, a process that is going to take some time, uh, but we're, we're, 
all, as though the the um, expansion, the tipping point in terms of users and number of users in the foot and ankle is already there. We're, we're already experiencing it. The the we still need to find the key opinion leaders in the knee and in the hip that are gonna put this technology on the map in the knee and the hip. And I see this, uh, you know, upcoming evolution in the next few months, not years. I mean, uh, the, the, the knee surgeons are on the verge of validating, you know, their uh, uh, um, sort of uh, knee replacement uh, processes with weight-bearing CT devices. So uh, I think this evolution is to come in, in, in the next few weeks and months. Uh, so it's not far away. Yeah, so the... The, uh, the growth is, is not even leveling off here, uh, that in terms of the basic uh, applications, it is it maybe as a, as, a, as a world, we're still in the toddler stage, maybe. Uh, and in terms of foot and ankle, we may be more advanced. We may be you know, running and jumping in, in adulthood. But I think that the, the, the fact that there are so many... Uh, unexposed orthopedic surgeons who could benefit from this is, is very exciting. It is a bit daunting, especially as a foot and ankle team leading this charge. We will have to be comfortable passing it to our other orthopedic colleagues and letting them take ownership as it grows in those other dimensions vastly. Well, definitely, uh, this is why we have to, and we've already started, like in the society, we have a radiology committee, we have created the upper limb committee, uh, the knee committee. So I'm pretty sure that within the next few months, uh, Cesar is going to start off, kick off with uh, creating a hip committee. That's going to be, And then next year, maybe a spine committee and a shoulder committee. Um, but it's true that uh, it was Professor Richter's wish that, that we, we remain in charge uh, for uh, to kind of show the way because uh, as uh, these guys go from uh, you know uh, toddler to sort of adolescent and then adulthood um, then we will be developing you know high-end uh, tools and it's true that like we have to deal with 40 34 joints 28 bones that's what I tell my patients that's not it's not easy the interactions you know how one joint being operated on influences all the other joints in ways we cannot even imagine. The, re the answers are probably there in the weight-bearing CT data sets, and this is the, the research that we're doing. Um, I think, um, you know, this will definitely apply to the other joints. The upper limb is going to be another uh, challenge because it's like upside down, so the mechanics are completely different. So it's going to be a, a great journey to talk to these people, exchange, and and they're definitely going to learn, uh, you know, teach us some things as well. There's probably bits and pieces in the foot that are upside down, but we don't see them this way because we haven't thought about it this way. It's at some point when you become hyper-specialized, it's difficult to think out the box. So having people thinking, you know, taking this anew and, and thinking differently is, is definitely going to help us keep on improving. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that as the uh, upper extremity people, knee and hip people get into it, they will see things that we never saw. Yeah. And that will inspire us to go further. And I think we shouldn't be intimidated by loss of, of foot and ankle focus because I think it will come back to us uh, exponentially.
uh, with their insight and innovation in the other parts of the body. So thank you, Francois. That was truly remarkable. Uh, we're looking forward to further discussion about some of the innovations specifically in, uh, that you are working on in uh, weight-bearing CT. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to have participated. Thank you again for the invitation and looking forward to part two of our discussion. Thank you.